The reading today is from Psalm 88. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness, or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. As has been said, my name is Alistair. I'm the assistant pastor at Brunsfield, but this morning it is my joy and privilege to be with you at Fernie Hill once more. Now, this morning we come to a very difficult topic of depression. And we're only going to be able to dip our toes into the waters of this very vast, hard topic. For many of you, this may be a real and raw topic. Some of you may have depression and something that you struggle with every single day. It's an ever-present darkness that robs you of the life that you want to live. For others, depression is something that your friends or family members suffer from and you want to know how to best help for and care for them. This morning we are going to touch on topics and feelings that may be triggering for you. And so as Joanna has already said, if you would like to talk to people to unpack these things further, please do. Come and talk to me afterwards. I'll be at the door. Talk to one of the elders here. They are here to help you. Depression is a topic that I find myself speaking about a lot. It's not a topic that I like. Nor am I a mental health professional. It is a topic that pains me. It is a topic that plagues people that I love. And it's a topic that has robbed me of loved ones in the past. But it is also a topic that I have personal experience with. See, I grew up in a Christian home, but for years wore a mask, pretending that I was a, everything was fine. I was a good Christian lad, and I was on a Sundays, but I really wasn't in my life. See, as time went on, I began to feel very alone. Even if I was in a room full of people like this, I said, no one, no one knew me. No one really knew what was going on in my heart. That's what I thought. And the more I wore the mask, the darker my thoughts became, and a weighty cloud of darkness fell on me. 
the words I would now use to describe my depression are empty, hollow, dark, grim, and despair. There seemed to be no hope and there was no joy. Even slight moments of happiness that we were thinking about earlier on would be overshadowed by the dark clouds of depression that followed me day and night. And whilst everyone slept and the physical darkness came, my thoughts descended even further into despair. For a number of years, I self-harmed on a daily, almost daily basis in an attempt to feel something. And I tried on three occasions to take my own life. Now, my story is much longer than that. And if you want to know more, I would love to grab a coffee, coffee with you. And if you want, you can grab a copy of the book, The Past with a Thorn in His Side. I forgot to bring a copy with me this morning. But I contributed my testimony to that. It's a book where seven pastors have written our stories of depression and how it has shaped the way we do things in ministry and how churches can best support people with depression. Now, I'm not saying any of that to glorify my past. Or to say that I know exactly what people are going through. Because everyone's experience is different. But I'm saying all of this, opening up about my own past, so that we know that depression isn't only an out there thing. Because it happens in the church today. And it can so often go unnoticed. And I want you to know this morning that I'm coming at this topic as a former sufferer of depression as a pastor with a heart for everyone who struggles with poor mental health, and as a Christian who always wants to point people to Jesus in both the good times and the bad. Depression is a general topic of, or the general topic of poor mental health is not something that we can take lightly. It affects so many Christians and non-Christians today. So let me just give you a quick plan of where we're going to go this morning. We're going to look at some statistics on depression, and then we're going to see what the Bible says about depression, and then we'll look at some practical tips for both the depressed and for the carer. So here are just a handful of statistics about depression to help us see how relevant a topic it really is. The World Health Organization has ranked depression as the single largest contributor to global disability. Depression is the, one of the most common mental health problems today. In Scotland, one in ten people are diagnosed with depression at some point in their lives. Now that means that one in ten of us in this room, roughly speaking, either has has had, or at some point in their life, will have depression. And even if you don't have depression yourself, you probably know someone who has. This is a topic that is very close to home to so many people. Closely connected to the topic of depression are the horrific statistics on suicide and self-harm. On average, two people a day will die in Scotland by suicide and over the course of someone's life one in five people will have suicidal thoughts it's estimated that 115 people are affected by every single suicide 
Some of you here will probably know someone close to you who has taken their own life. It is never easy. And it can bring up a whole host of emotions that are difficult and trauma that we must take seriously. Suicide is the second most common death, cause of death in men aged 15 to 44, second only to accidental death. And around 17% of people will self-harm during their lifetime. Now those statistics are horrific and deeply saddening because they aren't just numbers on a screen, are they? Each statistic is a person who is struggling and who is in need of help. It's heartbreaking. Sadly, this is the nature of the world we live in and so many people are crippled or negatively impacted by depression. But on top of all this, there are also people who suffer from depression or depression-like symptoms who go undiagnosed. So here's what Ed Welch, a registered psychologist and Christian counselor, says about depression. Think of depression not so much as I have it or I don't have it, but as a continuum of severity. On the one end, it is bothersome. At the other end, debilitating. The less severe, commonly referred to as situational depression, and the more severe as clinical depression. Depression is a vast topic that covers a wide variety of symptoms with varying degrees of severity. But it is not a topic that the Bible is afraid of. And it is not a topic that Christians should avoid or be afraid of either. Instead, as a whole church, we need to see our role in caring for and supporting the depressed, whilst at the same time recognizing our own limitations, because we are not mental health professionals. And so let us turn our attention to God's word and look at what the Bible says to the depressed. The big questions that we may be asking about depression are where exactly does it come from? And is there any hope of an end to depression for the Christian? To understand this, we need to take a bit of a step back and look right back at the beginning of time. Genesis 1 and 2 describe the creation of the world. God looks at the world and says that it is good. He looks at humanity as the pinnacle of his creation, bearers of his image, and says that they are very good. But then a dramatic change comes, doesn't it, in Genesis chapter 3, which I would argue is the beginning of depression. Genesis 3 is the point where sin enters into this world, where humans are filled with shame, with guilt, with fear, and where every single Human heart is broken by sin and evil. Genesis 3 is the beginning of the presence of sin and evil in this world. So general suffering, evil, our corrupt natures, our broken bodies find their root in the fall. Therefore, it can be argued that depression finds its cause first and foremost in the fall. Now, that doesn't mean that depression cannot be caused by chemical imbalances. It can Or even that there are spiritual elements to depression, because there can be spiritual causes for depression. But all of these things find their root in the corruption and alienation from God that we all feel every single day from his good creation in Genesis 1 and 2. 
the root cause of the suffering and depression is the entrance of sin into our world. So Genesis 3 tells us where depression comes from. Now think on the other end of the Bible. In Revelation 21, we see the end of depression in the Christian life. Look at the description with me in Revelation 21 verse 3. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So the end of the Bible is that glorious future that awaits every single Christian. Free from suffering, free from sin, free from the attacks of Satan and perfect unity in harmony with our great God. So those are the bookends of the Bible. Depression finds its root in the fall, resulting in broken bodies, broken minds, broken emotions. But depression finds its end in Revelation as the whole of creation is restored. But we find ourselves in the middle, don't we? We find ourselves in what I describe Romans 8 territory. Read Romans 8, starting verse 22 with me. We know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for what we do not yet have. We wait for it patiently. So how does the Bible help the depressed in this time of groaning that we know as life on earth? What comfort does the Bible have for the troubled soul? Now, and obviously in our remaining time, we aren't going to talk about absolutely everything the Bible says about depression because we would never leave this room. But I'd like to highlight just two things that the Bible does. Firstly, it gives us examples of faithful people, faithful people who suffered depression-like symptoms. So whilst we cannot say with certainty that anyone in in the Bible had clinical depression, It is clear from the Bible that there are faithful people who suffered depression-like symptoms. One of the ones that probably springs to mind is Job. He said that he had no peace in Job 3 verse 26. That he should have died before he was born in Job 3 verse 11. He said that he hated his life, Job 10 verse 1. And he even said, he even asked to be, to die, to be rid of all of his pain. In Job 6 verses 8 and 9. Or maybe your mind went to David, who in 2 Samuel 12 is grieving the sickness of his child in mourning, sackcloth and ashes. Or maybe you thought of some of his honest reflections in the Psalms about his own weakness and his struggles like Psalm 38 or Psalm 130. Or maybe your mind goes to Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, who in Jeremiah chapter 20 prays, Cursed be the day I was born. 
Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? See, these examples show us how God walked with people when they've been at the end of their tether. And we can trust that this is also true for our lives, even in our darkest times. God is there. Just because you feel far away from God, just because you feel abandoned by Him, that does not mean that you have lost your salvation, brothers and sisters. Jesus is enough. Just because you feel differently about God does not mean in any way that he feels differently about you. These are just a few examples of people who suffered depression-like symptoms in the Bible. And do you see that the Bible is not afraid of our dark emotions? Do you see that the Bible isn't afraid of depression-like symptoms, of our, our frustrations, of our anger, of our pain? Instead, the Bible invites us to come to God with all of those emotions, not just with our joys and with our thanks, but with our pain and in our sorrow. So maybe you are depressed. Maybe you know someone who is suffering and that makes you feel down. That makes you feel alone, depleted of energy, without any desire to do anything. So often Christians think that we need to hide those emotions. That we need to pretend that where everything is fine and put on our Sunday best. But a third of the Psalms are lament Psalms. Psalms where the writers are literally crying out to God in desperation, in absolute pain, looking at their lives and saying, why? We need to learn from the psalmists and their lament. We need to know the benefit of praying our pain to God because he listens and he cares and he wants to be there with you. So run to him in your pain. So the first thing the Bible does is it gives us examples of people who suffered depression-like symptoms. But the second thing the Bible does is it gives us language and metaphors that we can use to express our pain. One of the best examples is Psalm 88, the psalm that was read to us earlier. Psalm 88 is a psalm of Heman, the Ezraite. We first meet him in 1 Chronicles 6. He's renowned for his wisdom and he served King Solomon as a prophet in the Old Testament. Heman is known today for writing what is arguably the most painful psalm in the book of Psalms. But this is a, also a song that the sons of Korah would have sung in front of the whole congregation of Israel. It is a song of lament. An individual song that Heman wrote out of his pain, but that others could resonate with. Maybe when that song was read, you felt that you resonated with Heman and his pain. Maybe you can think back to days in your own life and you certainly felt his pain. Maybe you read that psalm and were amazed that God would allow such openness and honesty to be in the Bible. This psalm is a crying out to God in prayer. And we can use it as an example of how we can biblically pray our pain to God. See, the Bible acknowledges our 
darkest feelings. Unlike other psalms of lament, there is no hope at the end of Psalm 88. There is no resolution to continue to praise God despite severe depression-like symptoms. There is just pain. So have Psalm 88 open with me. Look at how it ends. Darkness is my closest friend. Heman feels that there is no hope. And this has been going on for a very long time. Look at verse 15 with me. He says, from my youth I have suffered and come close to death. See, he looks back over his life and all he sees is bleak darkness, pain and suffering. But look at the poetic language and metaphors that he uses to describe how he feels. In verse 3 he says, I am overwhelmed with troubles. My life draws near to death. He feels that there is nothing more, his, his life is nothing more than a shadow. He's overwhelmed. He feels like death is just around the corner. In verse 6, he feels like he's in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Now imagine you're in an underground cave. No sunlight can reach you. You can't notice the difference between night and day. Every single minute you are awake is racked with anxiety, despair, pain, darkness. It would feel suffocating, claustrophobic and terrifying. That's exactly how Haman says he feels. And in verses 16 and 17, he laments because he, see, he feels that his depression is a result of God's wrath on him. He says that God's wrath and troubles surround him like a flood that has completely engulfed him. He feels like he's drifting away in a sea of darkness with no life God, no hope, no air, and all he sees is pain. Do you feel his pain? He feels abandoned also by his friends and families. He feels abandoned by God. Look at verse 14, how he cries out, Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? Brothers and sisters, this is exactly how so many people feel in their darkest days of depression. But notice how even in his deepest pain and depression, Haman, Haman still cries out to God. Verse 1, night and day I cry out to you. Verse 9, I call out to you every day. Verse 13, I cry to you for help, Lord. He feels like his prayers aren't being listened to, but he keeps on praying and he reminds himself of the truth of who God is. See, this psalm, whilst it is bleak and it is full of pain, it starts in verse 1 with a declaration of who God is. Did you see that? Lord, you are the God who saves me. See, he's using throughout the psalm God's covenant name, packed with the history of God's unfailing love and faithfulness to his people. He recognizes that even if he doesn't feel it, even if... All he sees is despair and darkness that God is the one who saves him. His feelings do not change who God is. Psalm 88 gives us language and metaphors that we can use to cry out to God in our deepest pain. In the struggles of your dark days of depression, 
of isolation, of poor mental health, this psalm is an example of what it means to suffer as a believer. To take it to God in lament, to mourn the situation you're in. Take the psalms of lament and study them. Use them as templates to express your darkest emotions and pray them to God. Because whilst they are full of darkness, there are also wonderful treasures to be found. This psalm ends in darkness with no hope. For some people, depression never goes away. But it plagues them their whole lives. Now we don't know why. We won't always get answers. But we are pointed to God. The one who promises to walk with his people through all the good times and the bad times that come our way in life. And we need to remember that no matter how real it may feel, no matter how debilitating it may feel, no matter how overwhelmingly painful and hard it seems, you are not alone. The God who hears this psalm of darkness and pain for the first time is the same God who took on flesh and stepped into our darkness and our pain. Jesus is the answer to Heman's prayer. Jesus knows what it's like to feel despair, to feel pain. He felt abandoned. What did he pray in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26? He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And on the cross he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his hour of darkness he felt abandoned and alone. And yet we know that God was doing a greater work. We know that darkness was not the end to Jesus' story. Because Jesus bore that darkness. He bore that pain so that sinners like us, sinners who suffer, sinners with poor mental health, sinners with depression, sinners, everyone who comes to Christ can be forgiven and accepted by God. Jesus understands. And just like his story did not end in darkness, neither will the story of all those who follow him. The dark clouds of depression may never leave you in this life. But in the midst of that darkness, you need to remember the truth that Jesus loves you. In the pit of despair, Jesus is with you. Jesus promises never to leave or forsake his people. And that is a promise that you can stand firm on. He is faithful So in your moments of despair, as the hymn reminds us that we'll sing in just a few moments, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now before we sing that song, let me just give a few practical tips for the depressed and for the carer of the depressed. Some practical advice for the depressed. Go to the doctors. By God's grace, we have mental health professionals who are trained and know how to help. 
This may take the form of counseling or medication or both. It is not wrong for Christians to take antidepressants. The Bible never says, come to Jesus and all your problems will be gone. That's the false teaching of the so-called prosperity gospel. Then go to the Lord. Take all your concerns, your fears, your pain to God in prayer. Sometimes praying will be the last thing you want to do or you feel you're able to do. But take the Psalms of Lament. Pray them to God. Speak openly and regularly to God. Cry out to Him. Remember that God doesn't say, Come to me, all you who are happy and have everything sorted. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And what I will give you rest. It might seem like the hardest thing to do, but keep on praying. Keep on running to God. Go to God's people. The church is here to help you. Speak to the elders. Ask them to meet with you. Read the Bible with someone. Often reading the Bible on your own as for the depressed can be really hard. So open it up one-to-one with somebody. Work through passages. Work through your difficult questions about what is going on in your life. Have an honest and open relationship where you are both nourished and held accountable for your actions and your thinking. I know that it seems a hard thing to do to talk to people about your poor mental health. But I guarantee I speak on behalf of the whole church when I say, we want to care for you. We want to love you, support you, and nobody will think any differently of you for your poor mental health. And remember truth. Too often depression can rob people of the ability to see the truth. They believe that God has left them. They believe that they that God is punishing them. They feel that there is no hope, but none of that is true. Instead, fill your minds with the things that are above. Have people around you who regularly pray for you, who regularly pray with you, and who regularly remind you that the gospel is true for you as well. There can be a spiritual element to depression because Satan knows exactly how to pull us down and distract us from God. And through the power of the Spirit, we fight against him with God's word. For example, make a list of the lies that that Satan is telling you about yourself. And then on the opposite side, make a list of truths that God has said about you. Put on your armor and be prepared to fight. And just a few whistle-stop tour tips for the carers of the depressed. Go towards the depressed. Be in it for the long haul. Some people may suffer depression for the rest of their lives. You need to listen well. You need to be compassionate. Please do not try to fix people. Just be there for them. And be normal. Invite them into your home. Have meals with them. Invite invite them to be part of your family. Go to God. You will probably be hearing and seeing things that are really hard. And you will need support. Take that to God because you will often feel out of your debts. And then go to support. Caring for the depressed is hard. You you need to make sure that you are being supported and cared for by others. And then go to school. Invest time in the Bible. Get to know the promises of God. Get to know gospel truths. Get them into your blood. 
Because a time may come when for you everything feels lost. When everything is gone and they are the only truths you can cling to. Invest in your suffering now, even before it comes. Now there's obviously plenty more that the Bible says to the depressed. We haven't even scratched the surface. But remember the truth that the Bible is not afraid of depression and neither should we be. Instead, we have a Savior who promises to be with us even in the pit of despair. And so let us fix our eyes on him and help each other as we eagerly await the day that he returns. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray together. Our Father, there may be people in this room or listening online who echo Heman's words when they say, darkness is my closest friend. Lord, we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would comfort them, that you would remind them of gospel truths, and that you would point them to Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you fight with them against the lies of Satan that are trying to pull them down and discourage them. And Father, for, for all of us, we pray that you would help us to invest our time to get to know your promises, to get to know your word, and to live the lives that you created us to live. Help us, Lord, in this life of groaning as we await that glorious day where we will be united with you. Father, we come to you and ask for you to give us help and strength. And we thank you that we can do that knowing that you will, because you are faithful. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.